Hello friends, welcome to another episode of Find Your Career Calling. This episode is part of the remote series where I explore different careers that can be done completely online, meaning away from the typical 9 to 5 desk life, meaning location independence. I interview people such as Joanna Young, who's a social media manager for an agency back home in Canada, but she's currently traveling all over the world. I interviewed Tanya Day, who wanted flexibility to look after her child and has her own virtual assistant company. I also interview New York-based Sarah Straw, who works in a big corporation, Sage, but in a remote position. So there's a huge range of different types of online remote work. Taking the decision to pursue this lifestyle is not an easy task to do. And if you feel that you could benefit with some guidance, go to fycareercalling.com and let's help you figure out your next step. I hope you take away some insight from this really exciting lifestyle and we clear up a few you know, misconceptions about it and also give you the benefits of this lifestyle. So hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, friends. Welcome to Find Your Career Calling podcast, dedicated to helping you find your next step outside of university by learning about different roles in different industries from the professional themselves. So in this episode, I have Sarah Stroh, who is a senior manager uh, at events at Sage. She is a super cool lady that I reached out to on a Facebook community. She's doing so much. She Not only is she an events manager for Sage, she also is a travel blogger, an independent travel agent. So welcome to the show, Sarah. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> I'll let you introduce um, yourself even more because there is so much to cover and you just do so much. You're like a superwoman to me. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much. I really, really appreciate you inviting me to be part of this podcast. Hi, everyone. I'm so excited to share kind of what I do, how I got started there. So I'm the senior manager of event strategy uh, for Sage. Sage is a global software company headquartered in Newcastle. We are operational, I think, in over 160 countries. Um, we have offices all over the globe. I'm lucky enough to where my U.S. headquarters is in Atlanta, but I don't work there. <laughs> I am a remote worker. I work out of my lovely apartment in New York City. My office is technically the airport. I travel all over the world doing events from trade shows to conferences. I'm sure we'll get into details of this to sales kickoffs, all of these really cool things. I get to travel to produce those. And also, yes, uh, because I started traveling so much, I really found a passion for that. So from there, I started my own blog and it grew into an agency. It's just I'm a woman with many hats, let me tell you. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> I feel, let's take a step back because I feel you have the dream job. I can just, <laughs> I can just hear my listeners being, how, how do you start? What's the first step? How do I get to this dream life? <laughs> yeah, so let's start so, from the beginning. Of course. So growing up, I'd always been really into events. A funny story. I actually, so I went to, we'll start in the college age. I went, I have my undergrad, which I know it's different everywhere, but in the States you have your undergrad, you have your master's. I had my undergrad in musical theater. 
Oh. I used to stage manage musicals. So I would be the person doing the run of show, helping produce, making sure all the actors, actresses were in their places, making sure all the props, everything was done. I loved it. I loved being the organizer of everything. Kind of the woman who wore many hats. I love that. However, when it comes to theater, you deal with a lot of people's emotions. There's not a lot of data behind it. I am a data nerd. So I sat and thought, I knew I wanted to get my master's. I knew I wanted it to be focused in marketing, but I was, how can I tie in what I did for musicals, but more on a corporate, less emotional side? Mm. I talked to my professor. She was just like, have you ever thought of doing corporate events? I asked her what those were. <laughs> no I mean, idea. to be honest, I'm not really that sure. I, I swear I've attended a lot of corporate events, but yeah. <laughs> I don't know how they're made exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I was, give me more info. She's, well, companies go to trade shows. They need someone that helps produce those, you know, organizes all the staff, the production, the events, the happy hours, you know, the electric, all the nuts and bolts that go into these. I said, sign me up. So I ended up going to get my master's in marketing with a concentration in event management. Mm -hmm. So even if you just went for basic marketing, you are going to get classes that did go around events because any marketing includes lead generation events as part of that. However, I was lucky to where I went. We had an event marketing concentration under the marketing header. So that's what I went to school for. During that time, I was working as a marketing assistant at a tech company in New York City. I would help them coordinate trade shows. So I would help them with exhibits, planning out what shows we want to go to that is good for our industry, where we would find the most prospects, network with our own clients. Then I, I loved it so much that it allowed me to travel. So while I was in grad school, I was working there. Then I kind of my dream job at a uh, background screening provider company in New York City, where I ran their global events. So I was their event manager of global events. It allowed me to, in December 2014, um, get my first passport stamp, take my first trip out of the country. I went to Dominican Republic because I did incentive trips. So that's another really cool part of corporate events is the incentive trips. So president's club, sales leadership trips where you get to go to different destinations. So I got to experience so much. Mm -hmm. Then from there, my career has just, just taken off. <laughs> wow. This is such a, this is amazing. Where, where do you find these kind of jobs? Oh, I'm, I, I just promote LinkedIn crazy. I have always found every job on LinkedIn, you know, because you could filter to what your needs are, what you're really looking for. So I would type in, you know, at that time, event manager, and I would type in the city I was living in because I didn't know remote was a thing when mm. I was first looking. So I would type in New York City. I found a job. I was lucky enough to where when I did that, when I started at the background screening company, I knew I wanted to try other places to live. All I did was ask. <laughs> I just asked them, hey, can I do this job remotely? They allowed me to. That's what started my remote side of the career. But I would say LinkedIn is really 
I don't do Craigslist. I don't do any type of those. I'm not a big fan of Indeed or Monster. Mm-hmm. If you guys, I don't know if other places use those. I know in the States, those are two big ones, but they're not very user-friendly in my opinion. Yeah. LinkedIn yeah. is the most user-friendly, straightforward job search engine I've ever used. If you promote yourself right on LinkedIn, you don't even have to job search. People are going to start poaching you. That's something really cool. So you have to market yourself as well. So you got into, what was your first event role? Was there any kind of surprises, challenges? Because obviously you found out about Mm -hmm. this new path for you. Someone mentioned it. You delved deeper. You managed to get yourself. Was it quite easy to get your first job? So luckily for me, because I was already an assistant within the company, it was a small startup. Mm. I was able to say, hey, let me add this onto my role. They didn't have structure yet within the company. So I helped create that structure. So I was very fortunate in that. Mm -hmm. I also, what surprised me the most was, you know, a lot of, I've had people ask me, oh, you just pick out pretty flowers or this, that. They think that as an event person, it's all just weddings. You know, they don't, on the corporate side, it is not that. Yes, we have moments where we can be super creative. We do pick out centerpieces for a nice gala. You know, we have things that, however, I was so shocked to see how data centric it is. So, I mean, to be in the corporate event world, you do, you have to be super organized, really into details. You have to be good with measuring, tracking metrics, ROI, knowing the data. That's a huge, huge, huge part of it. So it's not all... You know, I'm on the road all the time, having so much fun, going to happy hours and cocktail parties. It's a lot of work too. And it's Mm. 16 hour days. And you know what I mean? That that can be shocking for people. No, that's so rewarding. That's really great. That's one of the main things actually I wanted to delve deeper. What what do you mean by metrics? Why can't, can you give us an example of this type, sort of data-driven past things totally. that you have to really dig? So for example, the company I work at now, Sage, we produce a huge conference called Sage Summit in the U.S. It's for people to really know if we are, you know, our company is not, it, it's not important for us to make a profit. We're not, hey, we have to make so much money back on this event, you know, because our main goal is providing the best best content experience for our customers, our prospects, our partners, you know, that is the main goal. So from there, you know, you look at how many registrations you get for the event. That's a metric. How many of those registrations convert into on-site attendees? That's a metric. How much social engagement is there, you know, as far as retweeting or promoting us on their own social media outlets? You know, what does that look? So that's a metric. And it's also how much booth traffic do you get? How many people attend your welcome celebration? It's a lot of attendee driven. So that's the initial part. And on the back end after an event, you do try to see, okay, if For example, one of our metrics is a lot of our products are hosted. We've moved to the cloud recently. So Mm -hmm. how many of our customers that have come to this event now want to migrate to the cloud upgrade? How many people re-sign their contracts? You know, a lot of people come to events or at the end of their contract with us. You want to retain those customers to provide them value continuously. So it's looking at how many people were we able to keep? You know, it's been really great where the metrics report I've been able to put together for our events have been showing year over year, 11 times ROI. So we invest, let's say $100, we're seeing over 1.1 million come in. It's instance, it's awesome. But it's because they, that we're doing this for them. Biggest goal is providing value to your customers. That's what's ultimately going to drive the rest of the metrics for you. Right. So you've got this job. It's great. You've touched upon a little bit about the challenges as well. 
Mm-hmm. What were the main lessons that you learned from your first role as a, as a corporate events? So I, the reason why I'm good at what I do is because I'm insanely detailed, super <laughs> organized. I work really quickly. Mm. However, the really quickly part of how I work is a pro, but it also can be a really big con. So one of the things I've learned to do, I am still learning. My boss sometimes is Sarah. Take a breath, girl. <laughs> I just, you know, it's, you're always moving. You have to think five steps ahead. You can't be behind. You have to be ahead of everyone. Mm-hmm. So I move really fast. I think one of the biggest challenges, the biggest things I keep learning is to slow down a little bit, take a breath, evaluate situations before you, you know, jump to jump to any type of anything. So I would say that's the biggest and also really finding balance. I've said when you're producing an event and you're on site, those can be 16 hour days. Mm, They can be long. They're on weekends sometimes, you know, it's now I am lucky to where we don't have events on the holidays. I don't work at a restaurant, you know what I mean? So it's, I still have that, but it's making sure that when it's time to sign off for the day, you do, Mm. you know, Oh, sorry. Keep going. Oh, no, you're fine. (laughs) I was going to say, so how did the transition to remote happen? Did it happen organically within Sage or was it something that you had to push for? No, so it happened very organically. So I was working at the background screening company. It was 2016. I just said I was, I'm sick of paying New York rent, but I love my job. Mm. They loved me. I was, I want to try somewhere new. My boss looked at me and she was, well, you are the most disciplined person I've ever met. You were on the road all the time as it is for the events. So I know you can work remotely. Give it a try. So I moved down to Baltimore um, for a year just to see how I'd live in somewhere else. I worked remote. Mm. During that time, unfortunately, things happened with a lot of mergers and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But I ended up leaving that company. Then I found Sage, which just so happened to be promoting a remote position. Mm -hmm. So the Sage one was, that's what they were promoting for. It was remote. They obviously wouldn't have mind if I was in the Atlanta office here in the States, but it was a remote position. When I met my boss, he just said, you're going to be on the road every couple of weeks that it doesn't make sense for you to have an be home. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) So I, you know, I've worked remote with Sage since the beginning. I would go to down to the office before the lovely things going on right now. I would travel to the office, be there for a week at a time every three months. But other than that, I'm on the road every two to three weeks from for a week or at least three to four days at a time for this event or that event or something. Yeah. That's really so I pretty funny. much work from home from an airport. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. That's really funny because actually the reason that we met each other is because I was asking digital nomads that exact um, situation. How do you connect when there's no reliable internet? <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> already planning ahead. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. One of the things that maybe our listeners might want to know is for someone who's just fresh out of college, how do they try to emulate that path of you know, transitioning into remote work? Because I think a lot of, one of the main pain points of, of graduates is how do we start finding jobs, remote jobs, when we have no experience? I think that's, mm-hmm. that's one of the main pain points. A lot of the remote jobs tend to be for senior positions. You need a yeah. lot of work experience. It, it definitely can be hard because here's the thing, especially when you're right out of uni, 
you you have to prove yourself, right, in your industry. That's hard to do when you're not in front of your boss or your peers and so on and so forth. It's just kind of the nature of the game. So my suggestion is one, when you are looking for that position, you are looking for the job, use remote in the search engine. Use that as an actual search filter to help you kind of filter out any positions that might not be remote. Try for try for that to start. When it comes to getting hired at a company, unfortunately, I think if you're hired at a company, it's at a base, you know, a headquarters or a base station, you have to be there. I would say majority of the companies I look at that I've had friends at have been, you know, after a year of employment they loosen up on their remote guidelines criteria. I've seen a lot of friends be somewhere for a year and after that be able to go into a remote role. Because again, it is, it's, it's just proving yourself. They want to make sure that you're disciplined and that you can do it. You know, the last thing a company wants is to hire someone fresh out of school has no, you know, corporate world work experience, regardless, you are just at home. They don't know what you're doing. You know what I mean? So I think it's, I think it's good to force someone right out of college because you have to get used to that corporate world. You're going to have so many questions and need so much still. I mean, I ask questions still at the wazoo. Um, you're going to need so much from your business, from your employer, that I think that first year it's good to be in an office to learn from people. Mm-hmm. Unless you get into that freelance game, you know what I mean? and want to do more freelance stuff. Then, then that's different. Then I think there's more flexibility of yeah. being remote. I wanted to ask as well how i think a lot of the things that people don't i mean we're talking about obviously we're we're for remote work we are discussing the upside but i kind of want to discuss a little bit of the downside of remote work Mm because i think a lot of people sometimes don't look at you know i mean i mean now that the situation of the world with covid i think people are realizing that remote work is great but also i think on the downside there are things you know being away from your colleagues missing your colleagues not being able to turn around just ask a quick question you know kind of multiple meetings to keep on top of communication one of the major things as well is loneliness so how did you experience any of that when you first went remote what was your experience yes so there is there's a few cons that do come with remote life i'm very happy to share those so one, I am a chatty Kathy. I love to talk. <laughs> I love people. It's part of why I'm in the event mm. world. It does it does stink when you're at home. You have, you're mm. literally talking to your Alexa. <laughs> like, you, know, you don't have someone you can go to the water cooler with or go grab a cup yeah. of coffee with. And, you know, that, that definitely is hard. But there's also the, the fact of it's hard to get answers sometimes. Mm. You know, when you're in an office with people, you have an answer. You walk up to their desk. Mm. You know, now when you're remote, you have to get them on the phone or get them through email. It could be a little bit of a chase, you know, that's a little frustrating. Then I would say the third biggest thing of being remote is there is no separation. So when I'm, Mm. it's five o'clock, I could be done with work. I'm sitting on my couch getting ready to watch How to Get Away with Murder or some other (laughs) lovely show. I I have my laptop on my lap, you know what I mean? So there's just no disconnection. Yeah. When you're sitting on your living room couch, you look over, oh, there's my desk. You know what I mean? So disconnecting is my biggest struggle because Mm -hmm. I also love what I do. So it's not work to me when I'm sitting there on my couch watching TV, answering emails. Right. Yeah. I've learned to disconnect more though. I used to go on vacations, not ever. I would bring my work laptop. Now I don't. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's, you're absolutely right. I think it's, it's uh, really difficult. I remember when I did my online course, I did a boot camp. 
that was all online, I just thought, this is really lonely. <laughs> yeah. like, there's only so much Zoom meetings I could have. Also, your eyes hurt after a while, staring at the screen all the time. They hurt. I have invested in some nice blue light glasses to help me. <laughs> but I have to say one thing with the, you know, the stuff going on that actually mm. made working from home a little bit better for me was prior, my whole team was in offices. I was mm. one of the only remote people. So when I would have calls and stuff that, they would all be in a conference room together and I'd just be on a phone. Now, everyone goes on Zoom. So I see everyone. It's nice. I get to see people's faces. I get to, you know, everyone has their cameras on. That never used to happen. So I actually feel a little more included than I used mm-hmm. to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. I think it is exactly because I feel like people have more <laughs> empathy as well. <laughs> yeah, I feel like sure. workers. So I work remote and most of my team are in, in the office, exactly the same as you. I think that for them, it's, it's, oh, so this is remote working. This is really actually nice, but also really difficult. I've been doing it for months. So mm-hmm. yeah, I can totally relate. Okay. So we've got the events side of business done. Let's move on to your other, other things. Yeah. How did the, which one came afterwards? Was it the travel blog or was it the independent travel agent job? Yes. The blog came first. Right. That was the chicken before the egg. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the travel blog happened. So I, I said, I got my first passport stamp because of work. I was going to the D to DR for an incentive trip that I had planned. Mm-hmm. And boy, I was excited. (laughs) So from there though, then I decided to book for my 30th birthday. Mind you, I was 29 when I got my first passport stamp. We just, I come from a very big family. So international travel wasn't a thing when I was younger. Mm. So for my 30th birthday, I treated myself to a solo trip to Greece, Turkey. I fell in love and everyone was so shocked that I was by myself as a 30 year old woman traveling alone to Mm, Greece and Turkey. Everyone's like, what? What are you doing? I was why? I was so naive to it. Mm. No one, everyone was, aren't you scared? Aren't you this? I was, does everyone feel that way about solo travel? So I started the solo travel woman blog to inspire, empower other women to not wait for a man to go traveling with, not wait for their, another significant other to go traveling with, mm-hmm. not wait for a group of friends. Cause the more you wait, the less you're going to travel. Girl, you're so, preaching to the choir. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, no, I'm just going to go from there. I went to Peru. I hiked the Inca trail, did that by myself. I met up with a group of four that I didn't know. They were all solo as well. We did the trek together, but I didn't know them. But I've done Peru. I've done state, different states. I've done Mexico. I've Mm -hmm. done Prague and I've done Amsterdam. I've done, I mean, I've been to 12 countries by myself. Then I found love. I thought, how can I inspire other people? So I started writing blogs about it. My dad was always someone who really, really pushed me to experience the world. Um, When he passed away, I decided, all right, no holds bar, I'm doing it. Then from there, you know, I found out that a lot of people struggle with, it's really expensive. I don't have time to look to find anything less expensive. So I decided to join a company, became a travel agent to help other people travel, find them the best deals while ensuring their protection while they travel, because I would take care of all insurance stuff for them, get that all set up, which has come in very during these times. And it also helped me out because I, you know, know the best places to go for my own travel. So it's been, it's been really a rewarding, rewarding experience. It all started because of an event I planned. (laughs) Great. What, what sort of timelines are we talking about here? 
what sort of what? What sort of timeline? So how long did it take you to get yeah. the corporate jobs, kind of get great at it, start the mm-hmm. blog? What kind of yeah. months, years? So I started in marketing in 2008. Mm-hmm. So a few months after I graduated undergrad. From there, I got my master's and that took me about two years. It was a two-year program. Worked as an assistant through there. Then over the course from 2010 until now, I have gone from marketing coordinator to manager to senior manager, grown my position, grown my company size. I went from startups to now a 14,000 person global company. Then the travel portion, I mean, I just started my blog in April, 2019. From there, I've grown into, you know, I have 8,000 blog subscribers. I have 11,000 Instagram followers. I have you know what I mean? And I have I have about eight or nine consistent travel clients because that's very new. I've only started that in the last couple months. I've already yeah. gained that many clients. So it's I, I move fast. <laughs> it seems it seems you're super busy. I'd love to dig a bit deeper on of course. independent travel agent because I mentioned to you before 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 interview that you know you see independent like ITAs on a lot of communities sometimes it does come across as kind of a very scammy job but I suppose Mm -hmm. a sales job comes off very scammy right in when presented in a in a different way so I just love for you to shed some light on what ITAs actually are you know for someone whose ears are perked up on on this kind of job can you open their their eyes what what it actually entails as a valid yeah legit job So I think the reason why it comes off so spammy is because the people that are doing it are extremely passionate about it. So they don't (laughs) stop talking about it. (laughs) So I could see that. But no, I mean, obviously you have to watch for what company you join in the company I have joined with. That is my host agency. They have been in the industry for 25 plus years. So I joined a company that is extremely reputable. They are you know, top preferred agent. It's a top preferred agency for many suppliers from Delta vacations to Apple vacations to Holland cruises, all of those. So when I learned about that company, I looked into it a lot more. I decided to join. I I mean, there was no question. Uh, Are you able to disclose that company? Oh, for sure. So I, I'm an independent travel agent with IntelliTravel. So, so they are a travel, a host travel agency. You know, you, through them, you get all your certifications. You get to take a ton of trainings, classes, webinars. You get your own booking portal in Expedia.com. It's, it's very cool. I think the best part about it is that I have been able to, like I said, provide so many people with I just booked a group of 15 to go to Jamaica in October and for a family reunion trip it's just really cool to provide that that experience to people help them find the best what's really nice is that you know your customers don't pay you so you're not charging someone what they do if they go to booking.com is what they're doing with you the only difference is they're not doing all the work you are then you make commission from what you sell from the from the supplier so Delta pays you or you know, club med or whatever, those suppliers are who pay you. Right. So how does one become, what was the path that you took to, so in travel for people who want to kind of start it, I mean, give a quick kind yeah. of review of how you actually became 
I don't want to say, is it qualified? So I, I connected with a woman who actually lives in London. Her and I became fast friends through travel, <laughs> social media, through Instagram. She's the one who told me about it. She was like, you travel so much. I'm sure you're spending an arm and leg on it. This is how I can help you. So you find someone who's already doing it. So for example, myself, which I'm not sure if my contact information will be shared with the recording, but happy to talk to anyone offline too about this, but you find someone who's doing it. And then from there, you kind of get sponsored and you sign up. So the thing is, is there is a sign up fee, obviously, because what you're paying for um, that initial one-time cost is for access to all the certification. So for example, I've been certified, I said, I've only been doing this two months. I've been certified already in special needs travel. So anyone who needs any special accommodations, wheelchairs um, or lifts or any type of access that I'm qualified now to, to help them with that, you have to be, you have to be certified to do that. Mm-hmm. So I have that. I'm in Disney travel expert. <laughs> so oh, wow. <laughs> I'm a Marriott Hilton ex- certified travel agent. I also got my own CLIA, which is Cruise Line um, International Association. I have my own membership with them. All this you get with that, you know, that you get access to all those certifications and trainings with your setup fee. Mm-hmm. It also includes basically your booking portal that you share with clients where they want to book themselves. If they don't want a custom quote, they just want to go on and book their own stuff. Mm-hmm. It's a whole website that you have that's for you. Includes all your marketing materials. So I send my newsletters right through the come my back portal. I can send direct mailers, postcards. I pay for the posting, all the marketing, everything. It also includes all of your I'm trying to think of what else. Marketing materials, back office. Oh, it also gives you <laughs> the biggest part. <laughs> um, it gives you access to a hundred plus suppliers <laughs> that you're able to book travel on. So it's 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 really cool. And there's other perks that come with it for being an agent. Like I said you earn commission off the travel that you book for others, but you also earn it off the travel you book for yourself. So I booked a trip for my mom. I to go to. Not only did I save seven hundred dollars on the trip, but I got three hundred dollars in commission. So I actually saved a dollar. Yeah. So it's it's cool. I mean. Yeah. I think that's where it also comes across a little scammy is because you have to pay to get started. But just so you know, I just want to make sure this is clear. If you were to go get your ABDA, you know, your ABTA or your IATA license, you have to have already been part of a host agency, already have made X amount in commissions, already have been in the industry for X amount of years. It costs a lot of money. Mm. So you're actually, by joining a host agency, doing it through them, you actually are getting all the perks of having your own licenses um, without having to shell out some dollars. So it's pretty, yeah. it's pretty nice. All you really need is a love for travel, right? So anyone, a student or university student can do this, yeah. can start doing this if they had some free time in the summer, can get going. Oh, we have a lot of 18 19, 20 year olds. Mm. In fact, a woman on my team, she is 21, fresh mm-hmm. 21. She started when she was 19. She's already number six travel agent in the company. Oh. <laughs> so um, from booking <laughs> travel, she's already, I mean, it's insane. Um, we actually yeah. just celebrated a woman who made in May alone over $100 in commissions for booking a insane trip for a bunch of people. You know, it really, it, it, anyone can get started. You don't need to have, you can have one person following you on your Instagram. You can know five people because you're, you're selling something that people are already doing. Yeah. Everyone's already looking on booking.com. Is that you're just taking away the work from them. You know, I get asked a lot, how do I get clients? How do I market myself? How do I do this? And I just say, well, talk to your friends and family. You know, if you have a cousin who's always going on cruises, ask them if you could start booking them for them. They don't pay you anything. 
you are literally doing for them what they would just sit in their computer and do for five hours, but you have access to all the suppliers, so you can do it within an hour. You know, you do those type of things. It, it takes a bit to ramp up, of course. It's like yeah. any sales position, you know what I mean? You have to maintain the clients this and that, but it also comes with an insane support team, a lot of friends that you make that help you through it, and you have all these group chats and stuff, so... <laughs> That's it's, really, um, it's quite nice. <laughs> that's really great because that's actually one of the main, the, my follow-up question, which is, okay, so if I was a university person and I have a free time in the summer, I want to make some money, I buy this program I'm, I'm in, mm-hmm. I reach out to someone in one of the Facebook groups, I, I pay the fee, do, how do I start? You know, I have, not, I'm not a massive social media person, I have a, yeah. you know, I have an Instagram, but that's it. How, I'm not really a salesperson, I've done like, mm-hmm. maybe I've worked yeah. in retail, you know, I'm still studying. I can't, you know, 100% commit to this in terms of hours. What's the, what's the kind of return of doing this? So for sure. So as much as I come across extremely extroverted, I'm super talkative. I'm talkative in one-on-one situations. Like this. I am a, I hate rejection. I, I am very sensitive. Um, I've, I tried the cold, call, cold calling thing before. I would cry. <laughs> So I am someone who completely gets it. When I was, I have to find my own clients. I was terrified. Again, I just always want to reiterate, I've only been doing this two months because what I've been able to do in two months is quite cool. So, so a couple things, I'll give three examples of what I do to get clients. So one, I, I have my own, obviously Facebook, my friends and family follow me, but I made my own Facebook page. Um, that was for my travel planning company. I invited all my friends and family to it. Those who followed are clearly interested in what I have to say about it. I would just post, you know, I just would post, Hey, look at this travel deal. So on and so forth. Out of the eight clients, by the way, that I have gotten in two months, only one is from friends or family. The rest are all strangers. I'll get into that how in a second. And my cousin who goes on cruises all the time to the Caribbean was like, hey, I am way too busy right now. I don't know what to look for because, you know, a lot of people think because of no one's booking, which they are because people want something to look forward to. So Mm -hmm. we are getting bookings from August on. So you know, I, I was okay. <laughs> so I saw your booking for it, looking at, you know, in my back office, which you get access to, you know, put together a quote for them, found, found the deals. Then for everyone else, I do, I do a few things. So I join every single Facebook group associated with travel. <laughs> so there's one called Travit or Budget Travelers I'm a part of. I just so happened to be scrolling through a woman posted, interested to going to Jamaica with 15 of my family in October can't find anything within budget who can help. I wrote to her and said, Hey, I'm a home-based agent. I just commented. I was, I'm happy to help you. No extra fee to you, but I can take the legwork from you, you know, do all the searching. She was okay. That was that trip. Other things. I'm just active. People will post, Hey, where's a great resort to go to in Florida for seven days. I just wrote, Hey, I actually just booked a client at Sandpiper Bay, which is the only all-inclusive in the U S um, in Florida happy to share the info. They messaged me. You know what I mean? So it's just positioning yourself too as an expert in the industry. Even if you're new, it's okay to do that. It's okay to say, hey, I, you know, I know a lot of locations within Florida. If someone's looking for Florida, maybe you don't know all the answers, but because you're part of this community, I said, we have a WhatsApp chat with a bunch of us. We have a Facebook group called the IntelliTravel Departure Lounge with every agent 
from IntelliTravel in there. You could post questions, whatever, everyone help. You have the most amazing support system. So if you don't really know, maybe you're not the expert. Someone on your team is to make you the expert. <laughs> I get it. That's really how I get all my clients. As far as an average person earns, because um, I get that question a lot, that's something you can't really answer because it really also depends on how much you put in. You know, someone who starts off has no motivation. I can't control someone else's motivation. Um, so I can give you all the tools, all the resources, everything. But if you don't use them, that's on you. You know what I mean? So just any job is what you put into that you get out of it. But like I said, I mean, once you start going and ramping up, those people then know you, they continue with you. They'll continue to book with you. So it's really doing that. People get involved with their schools. So Latin club, um, I know someone who got involved in their college's Latin club. Their Latin club goes to Italy every year for a week on a thing. Now she's the one who books that for them. Like it's, you know, it's really just putting yourself out there. <laughs> Absolutely. It seems you're how many hours on average do you spend at your various, I guess, projects? <laughs> you know, you have your nine to five, you yes. have your travel blog, you probably have to do a lot of social media. Do you outsource anything? You have the travel agent job as well. For sure. So my event job, that's my, that's my peanut butter. You know, that's the heart of my, so I, I mean, I'm doing that Monday through Friday, nine to five. If I have an event, sometimes like I said it's 16 hour days for a week. Um, right now it's more nine to five because <laughs> there's no events. So in my travel company, you know, usually I, I get up, I'm an early bird. I get up at six, seven in the morning to work out. So that first hour of the morning, I'll do some email answering. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's most, it's mostly evenings. I try to do most of it though in the morning because my majority of my team is in the UK. Mm. Um, so time difference wise, it's easier for me to get stuff done um, in the morning. <laughs> but then at night is when I do a lot of my posting in different Facebook mm. groups or on my own social media to just kind of get, you know, a ramp up of people that then talk to the next day. I also am very active on my social media. I mean, obviously I have, you know, you don't need 11,000 followers because I can honestly tell you, I have over 11,000 followers. Not one of my clients came from them. So don't think because we have no followers on Instagram that matters. It doesn't. (laughs) Um, Because I have a lot. You would think I'd have tons of customers. I don't from there. So don't let that, you know, you know, set you back. But I do, you know, there is other things you can do if you want to invest more in yourself. So I do post an ad on Facebook about travel. Hey, let me book your travel for you, blah, blah, blah. I post that. I let it just run continuously. It costs me $5 a week. It's not that big of a deal in the scheme of things. Um, but I've gotten those seven strange or five of the strangers that I've gotten as part of my eight clients came from that. So. Great. Okay. Whew. That was a lot. That was, that was amazing. I feel like someone. No, super, super helpful. Oh my goodness. I asked you about the hours because I was like, eight, nine o'clock. I finally closed the laptop. and <laughs> Because it's hard. I think as a remote worker, you know, you can literally work around the clock. Honestly. Oh yeah. When you love what you're doing, you're going to work around the clock. Yeah, I can tell your passion really shines through. It's really great to hear it. Okay. So another thing about you do is the travel blogging there's so much travel blogs now obviously instagram is uh, amazing for travel bloggers so do you work with affiliate marketing and stuff that so for anyone who is thinking of starting a blog do you have Mm -hmm. any top tips kind of the benefits of i just did it Mm. i just did it i don't work with anyone so i just i just got a wordpress site Mm -hmm. i did it i just started writing what i know Maybe it doesn't make sense to everybody else, but I love it. I've had one person reach out to me and tell me that, you know, they live vicariously through me, that 
you know, some personal stuff happened to them. I was able to make them forget about it for a day. And that's all that I don't care if that's the only person that ever sends me anything that just made it worth it in itself. So I started my blog, not caring how many people read it. It was more for my own documentation. So one day I can go back and read it. Wow. I lived a really cool life. Mm, You know what I mean? So that's what it was for. But from there, I got a lot of followers and I started my own company. So I have solo travel woman merch, you know, all this is on that website. So my thing is don't do it if you don't have a passion for writing, sharing your story or else you're going to hate it. You're not going to do it. You know, there's been times where I've been kind of just in a lull just because work's been crazy. I haven't done my blog. You have to make sure you're consistent. That's how you're going to get the followers on that. If you post every day, people will start following you. But the biggest thing is you have to really love what you're writing about or else you're not going to write about it. So if you're going to do a blog, pick it, pick one that is the topic that you just, it's the topic that your friends look at you and say, hey, can you just hush for a second and stop talking about this? You really need to be consistent with a blog. I was never very patient as I was never a patient writer. I was more of a talker. So I started the podcast. (laughs) No, I love that. I have always talked about starting a podcast for travel and stuff like that, but it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. Podcasting is a lot of work. I love hearing about people's stories. I love sharing people's stories. I was never going For to sure. sit down by myself writing. I'm always very much, at, you know, connecting with people. So, I mean, for people who want to start some sort of blog, it, doesn't, it might not be a blog. It might be a different kind of media. So definitely go for it. The other thing that I love asking my guests, my favorite question is, what has been the proudest moment of your career so far? Oh, wow. It's a big um, question. You can take a breather here. Slow down. Everyone does. The, <laughs> I'll do one for each. So in the event side, I think my proudest moment, this is going to sound so nerdy. I told everyone earlier, it's very data centric. The events world is the company I'm at now, Sage. We They had no ROI documents in place. They had nothing. They had nothing that showed the success of events. I was able to, within my first eight months of being there, get an, a really robust ROI I are, you know, measuring tool together, you know, document it. So that way now our company sees that we're, you know, actually growing our events. Our events are really a strategic part of our marketing plan of the year. That was super proud because I was able to take literally nothing, a bunch of nuts, bolts, wood on the ground, able to make a mansion out of it. Like it's become amazing. It's really helped streamline event planning at the company throughout. So that was super cool there. Obviously every event I plan is also just once that's over, you sit down, you're like, this was amazing. All that work was worth it. And on the event side or the travel side, it was definitely that note from the woman that just said that I took pain away from her for a day because she was able to travel to Greece through watching my vlog or whatever that might have been. Um, I, that was just to me. I saw, I, I read it to my mom. She cried. We literally cried when we read it. So that was my that was my biggest moment. So even outside of traveling to all the insane places I've been, that was probably the most, the most proud moment from, from what I do in the travel side. Great. That's amazing. It's amazing. Okay. So you've done all of this stuff. What's next for you? What's your, your next, next move? I love where I'm at. Honestly, I just want to continue to grow in my career. I hope one day to be 
ahead of global events for a company, you know, lead it all. Because I do, regardless of the travel and how successful that becomes, events I love too. I love them very much both equally. So I don't want to let either one go. So I would love to get that high up, you know, within the events world. And the travel side, I just want to keep exploring. I don't want to ever not be able to do that. So I'm planning to go to in September with my mom. Mom's never been out of the country. So Aaron is beautiful. I lived in I surprised her for Christmas for a trip. So I'm super stoked about that. Then from there, I mean my next destination is um my next travel goal is hiking Mount Kilimanjaro with a Wow. That sounds awesome. Kind of the once in a lifetime trips. You know, I feel like anyone could go to Paris. Paris is very accessible. But not everyone wants to, you know, goes to hike Mount Kilimanjaro or goes to... <laughs> I hope you're training. <laughs> or goes to a Kenyan, you know, safari. Yeah. Things Kenya's also a beautiful country. Out. Kenya's beautiful. Oh, You'll yes. love it. Um, oh, yeah. The other thing to finish off was what would be your advice to someone who's just starting off, maybe a fresh grad, who, you know, really want to go and start remote work, but fearful of it? Mm-hmm or want to start their own business, but fearful of it, what would be your, um, or want to find, travel for the first time? You yeah. know, like the first time to find get passport. Find a mentor. I am a big component of mentors. Mm-hmm. I have two, mm-hmm. one for the events, one for the travel. I am happy to be a mentor for someone if anyone's interested. <laughs> can you be my mentor? You, you can be for my mentor. sure, girl. <laughs> I, seriously, I think that one, you should never stop learning. Never think you know everything because that's when you're going to lose in life is when you think you know it all. I, I just, I really do believe even in your 70s, still have a mentor. Have Finding a mentor, I think, is what's going to get you through life the best. They don't have to be professional. They can be literally just someone to bounce ideas off of, you know, that is not even in your industry. So I would say that's a big place to start is find someone that you can relate to, that you can talk to, that's already been there, done that, that can help guide you through it. So I think that's huge. Then also, you know, when it comes to starting your own business, just do it. Stop letting, you know, the fear of losing you know, there's that quote, stop letting the fear strike you up, striking out, keep you from playing the game. You know, there, stop letting fear hold you back. It's the reason why I preach about solo travel. Stop letting the fear of being by yourself hold you back. Yes, horrible things happen in this world, of course, but they also don't. You know what I mean? There's also just as many stories if not more of positive things that happen. I have never once felt afraid traveling on my own. You know, just keep your wits about you. Just anywhere. I live in Manhattan though too. So I'm a less fearful person when it comes to venturing out. But you know what I mean? So I would say find a mentor. Don't doubt yourself. If your gut is telling you to take the chance on something, do it. Um, Your gut doesn't steer you wrong. You won't know. You don't want to wake up in your fifties and say, wow, I totally missed out on my calling. Um, I refuse to do that. I don't, especially if you're young just out of university, you have time to make mistakes. So you start a business venture out of school and it doesn't work out in two years. You're only what, 23? I can do a lot more. You know what I mean? Just Absolutely, yeah. There's yeah. so much. I wish I would have done this travel stuff out of right, right away. I would have experienced so much more instead of getting my first passport stamp at 29, you know? So yeah. do it now yeah. before you do have a wife, kids, mm-hmm. all this stuff, you know? Now's the time. That's one of the best advice I got given as well someone who who worked at Google, head of EU Europe sales or something, he said to us as interns, just 
mess up as much as you want. You literally cannot mess up before you're 30. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Because you can always salvage your career. <laughs> you're fine. Breathe, everyone. So I think it's, it's a really nice way to end, especially you know during this time where a lot of people are probably going to struggle to find jobs, you know, given the circumstances in the world or graduates who are probably facing a lot of anxiety right now. Remote work is definitely something they can explore now, especially for people who may not be able to find work where they live, where they're living, you know, in location. So definitely look into remote work as another avenue post-graduation. For sure. Great. Thank you so much for being on the show. Really enjoyed that. Super, you know, a lot of wisdom was given. Yeah, Pauline, <laughs> thank you for having me. It was really, I just hope someone gets something out of this. That's, that's, <laughs> that will be the coolest thing. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be getting messages from I love from that. Yes, like, share my contact else. info. I will mentor anyone. <laughs> Great. Thank you. If you got to the end of this episode and feel like you want to find your own career calling, then check out fycareercalling.com where I can help you gain clarity and confidence in your next step. If you enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to like, subscribe and share it with a friend because friends, life is too short. You gotta find what you love.